they really instilled that belief in me that you should be your own boss right like I remember coming home from school and my dad would be like asleep on the couch and I'm like what the hell it's 3 p.m why are you still <laughs> and he could do that you know because he had his own business you know he had like passive income and that was really inspiring to me because I love to sleep in late so for me I was just kind of like I want to be able to do that you know I want to be able to wake up and sleep whenever I want like I don't want to do that whole nine to five commute thing um and I think that's yeah. where it really is. Preparing for the interview, um, I was really interested in figuring out, I was really interested in the creative process, um, you know, behind some of the businesses that you've created. I mean, just chatting to you just a moment ago, you talked about how like entrepreneurship is basically like in your blood, right? You come from um, like a family who's big on startups and um, creating businesses. Um, but let's not jump the gun as much as I want to get to there. Um, I want to sort of put those things um, in a bit of context um, and to sort of ground those, exp those, um, those experiences um, in your background. So Aisha, I might've mentioned it or touched on it just there, but where exactly you know, did your passion for entrepreneurship come from? So basically, my dad has always been in business, basically his whole life, actually. And so are a lot of my extended family members. Mm. And they really instilled that belief in me that you should be your own boss, right? Like, I remember coming home from school and my dad would be, like, asleep on the couch. And I'm like, what the hell? It's 3 p.m. Why are you still <laughs> And he could do that, you know, because he had his own business. You know, he had, like, passive income if you want to get into that whole, like, rich dad, poor dad methodology, which is basically kind of like, you have multiple streams of income coming in so you can basically choose when you want to work and that was really inspiring to me because I love to sleep in late so for me I was just kind of like I want to be able to do that you know I want to be able to wake up and sleep whenever I want like I don't want to do that whole nine to five commute thing um and I think that's yeah. where it really <laughs> so for you just I suppose generally it was about sort of flexibility and choice and um, freedom I guess which you know you couldn't in your perspective you couldn't find from like an ordinary nine to five would, would that be fair to say absolutely that nails it on the head yeah perfect um so obviously you want to start start off this interview in a sort of chronological fashion um just starting with your sort of later high school experience so um what was your sort of high school experience um like were you someone that was sort of always like academically driven or um, I think by the sounds of it, your interests, you know, lay outside the textbook or, or exams. So how would you sort of describe your approach to high school um, for those that didn't know you personally? Yeah, um, well, this is such an interesting question. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think it was funny because I was kind of one of those students who could get good grades. It was really hit or miss, right? Like I, I was yeah. really bad at studying. I didn't know how to study, to be honest, because in primary I was one of those kids who just kind of got good grades without trying and then I moved to this private high school where everybody was like studying 24 7 they were so like dedicated to the studies and I was not used to that at all like all these exams and quizzes and so it was yeah sometimes I would get like an A and sometimes I would like just pass or fail so I think I always knew like you know studying was not really a huge passion of mine but I think it was interesting because I, I, I high school kind of just like really 
I mean, obviously they really cared about the studies and stuff, but they did give us opportunities here and there to kind of like pursue other things. It was it was only ever temporary. They never really continued the programs, but like sometimes they did debating, sometimes they kind of like let us have their own um like what was it? Like sometimes you could like join like a dancing group or whatever. So there were like other opportunities, I guess. Yeah. And I guess I, I suppose um, you know, naturally I wanted to ask, you know. Were there any opportunities to explore like entrepreneurship and startups in high school or not really? What was your experience like? Yeah, um, we didn't have any opportunities at all, which really? is kind of, I think, and it's funny because I think even just to the general public, startups is not a common thing, right? Like we know all, we know all about businesses, right? We know about small businesses and e-commerce things, mm. but startups is a very new thing. People know about Uber and Airbnb, but what they don't know is that they initially started as startups and startups is basically defined as like a really, you know, a company that's just starting up essentially, right? And you basically work on like really lean methodologies. So, you know, you start off with like really like, you know, just one or two founders, um, you know, not that much money or funding. Mm, yeah, perfect. And I definitely want to get into like your approach to startups and entrepreneurship. And it's really interesting just, just to hear you touch on some of those, those insights that you've gained. Um, you know, something I definitely want to touch on. Um, it has but... definitely changed now. There's this startup, I guess, called Generation Entrepreneur. And I know that they do go into high schools. It's a paid thing, but they go into high schools and they actually run hackathons with students. So it definitely is moving forwards in the right direction. Uh, is there any barrier to entry to, to get into these hackathons? Are they for anybody? Do you have to have an idea? Uh, actually, yeah, you, there's really no barrier to entry, right? Like Generation Entrepreneur does it as like a paid program thing. But I right. think if you really, if you just do a bit of research on it, it's really easy to run one. You know, you basically, um, even if you don't have an idea, the idea is that you break up into groups, so kind of small groups of like four and five people. Mm -hmm. So a person who doesn't have an idea, you can just join their group. And then you follow the lean methodology principles, which I'll might bring yeah. up um, later. And then, yeah, hopefully yeah. by the end of like, the 24 hours or whatever, you come out with like, an idea <laughs> yeah it, 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 it's it's really cool to hear insights into some of the opportunities available to students um, who are interested in entrepreneurship and startups and at least in my own experience it, it wasn't something that was accessible at least you know in our high school curriculum so um it, it, it you touched on it there but there seems to be a sort of shift towards you know promoting you know some of those opportunities to students as well um so Aisha, i wanted to also touch on um, basically that sort of transition to from high school to university um, you know were you someone that had it all figured out um, and, and know have a five or ten year plan of what you wanted to do or were you someone that was still sort of finding their feet and a bit uncertain about where, where exactly you wanted to um, or what you wanted to do when you when you went to university I mean it's funny because I'm sure if you asked me in high school I'd be like oh I definitely have a plan I'm gonna go to UCID and I'm gonna do law and then on this side I'm gonna have a business because why not and then obviously life happens right so I went to um I went to UCID and I did Bachelor of Arts because I was going to transfer into law and then just I was still like I was still so unsure about everything even though I didn't want to admit it so I went to a career counselor and I was like so I really want to do law you know what should I do and she was like okay great what what's like out of the top five law firms which one do you want to go to and I was like I don't even know what the top five law firms are and I think that's kind of when I realized that as much as I love legally blonde in suits I don't yeah. actually want to, <laughs> I don't actually want to do law 
Um, so then, yeah, I ended up transferring to UTS business and that's, and, but the thing is, I'm really glad I did go to UCID because that first semester is when I found out about startups. I didn't have Facebook at the time, so I didn't know about a lot of the, um, programs that like unis run and stuff but one of my friends from that semester she told me about this program that you said was running called incubate and I'm, when you get into uni you'll find out that basically all of the Australian unis have their own startup programs for students but at the time incubate was still like pretty fresh and new and it was kind of like one of the leading ones and so incubate was kind of where I found out about the whole startup ecosystem and that you could you can't like it's not just like business is not just limited to running like a brick and mortar store you can actually yeah. build these like world-changing companies as a university student yeah and i think is that something that you know you think a lot of students you know have that sort of misconception that it's all about the the ubers and the airbnbs of the world um you know rather than you know some of the things that you're you're talking about is that is that a misconception that you think a lot of people have yeah, absolutely. Because I remember, like, I've actually spoken to other uni students, right? And you mm. think about, like, what's business? And they just think, oh, it's running a cafe or it's having, like, a florist business, right? Things like Uber, Airbnb, you know, Apple, they think that it's only things that, like, you know, these really, like, high-tech corporate people on, like, the highest level of the organisation can build. But that's not the case at all, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of Afterpay was founded by, like, a UCID student, I mean, he, he's an ex-grad, like he's a graduate yeah. now, right? But he built it like not that not that long after he graduated, you know? It's kind of like this thing that you have in your app, It's you'd be surprised by how much of like the innovation that's coming out is from like really young people and like people with not that much experience on the belt. Yeah, I think that's 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 a um that's a good point you you raise. And um it sounds to me like there's no sort of like set sort of skills or experience or like qualification or or anything like that that you need to sort of pursue entrepreneurship. Um, it's something that's sort of accessible to a lot of people. Absolutely. I think it's just that we're at this dawn of information, right? Like I think mm. with any other traditional career, like if you wanted to be a lawyer, you know, you need to get that five years of, um, you know, you need, you need that degree and then you need yeah. to pass like whatever it is exam yeah. that we have need experience before you actually go out and like whatever it is yeah yeah no right but with business it's really just kind of like I mean I know that they definitely do say that you should have domain expertise so if you wanted to build something in say the logistics industry it would be good if you it would probably be better if you did go out and get like some experience in that industry but then also like if you're willing to learn as you go that's I think that's a lot more important in business it's more about like what you do yeah i know yeah and it sounds like it's the approach that matters above all else and you you met you went you raised sorry you raised a good point there about um, how professions like law require there's quite a high barrier to entry right you need to spend like like a hundred thousand dollars on a on a flipping degree right or and you need to go to law school for five years and then you need to meet all these different requirements to get your your practicing license to actually practice law and it's a it's a long it's a long process right um, yeah. And by the sounds of it, like um, we'll get into it later, but you know, um, there's there's not those barriers to entry to, uh, with entrepreneurship, at least to that extent. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's something that we'll, we'll definitely touch on later, and I'm really interested in in uh, going into in more detail. Um, so Aisha, one thing you actually did mention there about um, um, about sort of having this idea of pursuing like like law or some sort of some profession and some discipline at university. Um, 
like in your experience, was that sort of like a, like a, like a, I mentioned it before, but was it a safety net at all for you? Um, was there like, was it you trying to find a bit of sort of like security um, at all? Or am I overthinking things again? <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely right. I think it was kind of like doing a business degree, especially it's one of those really vague um, degrees that you do, right? Mm. Like you don't really know what you're going to come out with. But I think that like I remember when I told my parents that I was doing business, I mean, they're, they're, they're really like they're pretty like forward thinking, to be honest. They were kind of like, just do whatever you want to do. But I could see it on their face. They were like, oh, you don't want to do law anymore. Like, come on. But the thing is, I actually like that because I know it seems as like a very generalist degree, but the good thing is that you come out and you're able to do like anything that you want with that degree. Mm. So I guess it turned out to be like a good thing. But at the time for me, I really, especially in high school, right? You really want like a definite career path. You want to be like, you want to be able to say, I will definitely be a lawyer when I get out. But I think we were talking about this before as well. Mm. It's kind of unreasonable to think that you're going to be in the same career for the rest of your life. And you shouldn't want that anyway. It's really boring. <laughs> um, the world's just innovating so fast. You know what I mean? Like the roles mm. of yesterday. Like, okay, I think we mentioned this before, but like Snapchat content creator was not a role when I was in high school. But now it is. You know what I mean? And even now, like I hear about all these different roles. Um, product manager, it's it's a role in startups which is like incredibly high paid and like the next role that like everybody wants to do that was not a thing when I was in high school you know what I mean like I guess it's good to kind of be unsure of what you want yeah. to do because that you have a lot of opportunities you have a lot of choice yeah and you mentioned there obviously that you went on to study um, a business degree um, a business related degree at UTS um, it was a Bachelor of Management, um, majoring in digital creative enterprise. So I just wanted to, to know, like, um, you know, for someone that, that doesn't know the first thing about your degree, like, um, you know, what is it about and, you know, what sort of skills have you learned that were really significant to you? For sure. So I guess UTS is going to get like an awesome plug right now. <laughs> yeah. but, um, <laughs> so like, I guess you have like three main business degrees at UTS, right? You have your bachelor of business, which is kind of like your common business degree. You can get like your marketing HR um, majors in there. I chose bachelor of management because it had only bachelor of management has this major called digital creative enterprise. And it's just very entrepreneurship focused. Right. So you get to do a lot of entrepreneurship degrees as you get to do four units as part of your core degree. And then in the major as well, you get to do a few entrepreneurship based subjects. Um, and then there's another one called BCII, Bachelor of Creative Intelligence and Innovation. But you can only do that as like a double degree. But I didn't want to like extend my uni um, right. degree that long. So I chose bachelor of management. And I've it's honestly, it's a really, it's a good degree that I think that, especially in business, right, if you're keen on building something, you get a lot of time on your hands, right? So after you do like your first G and you're after like, you've done all the hectic work of passing your first few subjects, especially in your second G and your third G, you have a lot of free time on your hands because it's not that, um, it's it's not that demanding, I think. I, you know, I got time to like build stocks out. I have like, if I want to, join a lot of other extracurricular programs like internships I have the time to do that without being like incredibly overwhelmed and um I think also just kind of like subjects wise we have some really good lecturers a lot of them have actually built companies so um we have this lecturer called Julia French and she was one of the really like early co-founders of WhatsApp and she teaches a lot of the innovation subjects that I did so it's like 
it's really cool in that sense. You know, you're not just being taught by people who've done like a bunch of like theory subject on it. Like they've actually built the businesses so they can teach you how to do it. Yeah, they have a bit of credibility behind behind them by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, it's cool to it's cool to hear um, you know some of the experiences you've had at um, uh, university and at UTS specifically. Um, Aisha, I wanted to sort of pivot a little bit um, and to focus more on like your, your approach to entrepreneurship and startups. So I want to, yeah, I think let's, let's talk about stock shipping. Let's, we, we've delayed it long enough, but let's talk about stock shipping. Um, Cause I think that will, through that, we'll be able to sort of canvas like a, a lot of different um, sort of questions about entrepreneurship. So like for those that don't know, um well, well actually you mentioned before that you haven't really sort of described the origins of stock shipping like in depth before um yeah so tell us about stock shipping where did the idea come from um, what was the inspiration behind it sure thing so the story I guess basically was I was doing a lot of online shopping back in the day with my part-time job it's kind of like I used to get a hundred dollars two hundred dollars per <laughs> week and I was like well this is what it feels like to be rich <laughs> I'd buy like I'd buy Subway from our brothers like he peasants <laughs> but um, yeah it was so I was like and I used it YouTube was like really huge back then you know like there was all these like beauty gurus and stuff and I used to watch them do their makeup tutorials and I'd go oh my god I need like these brands now and I basically I had this like really ingenious idea to purchase directly because makeup's really expensive in case you don't know if you're buying like one bottle of foundation that's $80 so with my $200 paycheck that means I could buy like two products so I was like what I'm going to do is I'm going to go directly like to the source I'm going to buy it from the U.S. websites because there were like 25 on the U.S. website so even with the currency exchange and the shipping it would be cheaper and um, there was a specific brand that I was really into back then Too Faced and they had a U.S. website so I went on there I went through the whole checkout process and they were like oh you need a U.S. address to buy from us so I was like okay I'm going to get myself a US address. And there were a lot of um, websites at the time. There still are called myus.com. I think Australia Post has a service called ShopMate now. And they give you a fake US address that you can put into the checkout. So I like signed up to that. It took me like two hours. It was super like the website looked super sketch. I put it into the checkout thing and my order went through. But an hour later, they emailed me back and they're like, oh, sorry, we have to cancel your order because we don't accept fake US addresses. And it made really? me so mad. I was like, I did not just like, I can order Uber Eats thing. Like I can sleep in some random person's home, but you're telling me I can't buy makeup from another country. Like how has nobody solved this properly yet? So then that's kind of what made me go into building yeah. shipping. Yeah, I mean, it Hi. sounds like, yeah, it was a very sort of personal experience and obviously a lot of frustration with, with those. Yeah. Um, so when you say address, do you mean like, like an actual, like, like a, like a house, like a physical address? Yeah. A okay. literal physical address. Yeah. The thing is, so these websites, either because of mm. like refunds or just kind of um, exclusivity agreements, for some reason, they don't accept uh, these fake US addresses that like myus.com or them. Because right. myus.com, they give you an address, but it's forwarded onto their warehouse. So they vet that out. So what right. basically what Stalks Shipping does is um, we're a P2P platform, which is kind of like like Airbnb, right? So Airbnb is a P2P platform because it's connecting customers with 
other users. Um, we connect customers wanting these goods that don't ship internationally with locals who live in those countries. And then those locals can use their real address. So their real um, address and like payment details to order the product. And then they can forward it on to the actual customer who wants it. So does it actually, does the, just so I know, does the product go from the US straight to like the consumer in Australia or does it go through that person's address so and first then... it'll go to the person the actual local who lives okay. in like the US okay. and then they would forward it on to the customer perfect and it sounds like like I said it was born out of like a very personal experience um and just hearing you talk about it um you know based on your own experience it was about you know solving a problem right and identifying mm -hmm. an opportunity in the market so I was wondering if if that was a big part of your approach to entrepreneurship um, is that sort of problem solving aspect yeah, um, I mean, you can't really build a business if it doesn't solve a problem, right? I, I guess you can. I, there's basically, there's two types of businesses, right? Like there's painkillers and then there's vitamins, right? Okay. It's, I'm not saying that there aren't like vitamin companies out there. Vitamins are a thing after all, right? But it's kind of just um, the... The, there's, there's a really like basic methodology that all startups like follow essentially and it's kind of like you basically want to make sure that you're actually solving a problem you want to make sure that there's a sizable market out there so um when you're pitching essentially to investors they always ask you what your opportunity size is so that's kind of like if i'm in the so with stock shipping that's kind of in the e-commerce world right because it's all right. about shopping but then i would say that the e-commerce market the numbers just off the top of my head fyi but um I'd say, oh, it's like a $15 billion industry, right? So then that means we're going to get like 1% of the market. But that way, like investors know that, hey, if I was to invest in this idea, this is this is like, it's going to be worth it because it's going to be yeah. affecting a lot of customers, right? A lot of customers are going to want this. And then your third thing is basically making sure that you can make money out of it in some way, right? There's no point if like, I mean, I guess if you really want to build a business that doesn't make any money, that's completely fine. But um, yeah. You're going to be hungry a lot. I yeah, guess. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. it's cool to hear your insights into like what it was like uh, starting stock shipping from the ground up. And you mentioned earlier that it's been about two years since you actually actually got a, a up and running. So like for, for I'm just imagining someone who's out there who uh, is interested, a student that's interested in entrepreneurship, um, they might want to sort of you know, learn about some of the challenges and adversity and um, difficulties that you had um, getting it up and running. Um, and hopefully they can learn from that. So, you know, based on your two years with stock shipping, like what were sort of the main challenges and sources of frustration? Because I imagine it, it would have been difficult potentially, you know, communicating with people over in the US. What were some of those challenges that you, you faced, Aisha? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I think the first thing was just actually starting it out right like mm. I was like I'm just a university student I don't know anything about logistics shipping I don't even know how to like build a website I had no idea what I was going to do and I think that's where it kind of comes in that we really are in like the dawn of information you can find mm. you can learn how to do anything on the internet and there are just so many tools now than they would have been like compared 10 years ago if you wanted to like start a business but honestly I guess I'll kind of like, I'll talk about how I literally built stocks up and kind of like mm, yeah. the problems that Please. I faced, right? So for me, I knew that basically I needed to have the supply system, which I kind of, which was 
easy to solve in my case because I have a cousin in the US and I messaged him and he was like yeah sure I'll help out so that was like I got really lucky there and then I guess the second thing was actually finding my customers so I knew that there were a lot of people who wanted a service like this at the time there was this subreddit called favors which um there were a lot of people on there that were just asking random people and it operated in a complete like trust level as well like they were like oh yeah I want to buy this specific toy from the US can you ship it to me and I'll PayPal you and people were actually doing it so I knew that there was a, a demand for a service like this but I still needed to start off with one product that I would be able to hopefully scale out because if I started taking orders for like completely random things yeah. like books clothes makeup it would be really hard for me to nail down like a pricing point so I picked one product and that was these makeup subscription boxes there's um two brands that we started off with BoxyCharm and Etsy and they're really popular and um in the US and they're actually like the thing is they're one of those products that like a lot of people know about internationally but they just can't get them so I started off with that and I built an Instagram page for it basically so we posted a bunch of photos of like the boxes and we would um have sneak peeks of what the boxes are because um they're like discovery boxes you don't really know exactly what you're going to get and um in the Instagram bio we basically put down that hey we're a shipping service we're going to deliver boxy charm boxes directly to your door um, and if you're interested, we put like a type form link in the bio of it. So then basically they would fill out the type form bio. And when they were done, we would email them and be like, okay, hey, we see that you're interested. Please transfer $60 to my BSB and account number. And it was so sketch. Like, can you believe anybody would like follow that? But the thing is, people did, right? Like, as sketch as it was, people did buy from us. Not that many. We only had like three or five Um people buying from us per month but that was enough to kind of validate the idea and that's um that basically goes into the whole startup um lean methodology method anyway so when you think you have a problem and a kind of like a good idea to solve it what what we say is that you should basically build a prototype or a minimum viable product which is a prototype um of your solution right so what I wanted to build like is my idea was to build like a whole like platform website you know basically anyone from anywhere in the world would be able to connect with like someone else in that country where you're buying your product from but obviously I couldn't build that at that stage so I like so I thought what's like the most basic way I can make sure I can like test out my solution and that was literally an Instagram page you know and I had my cousin in the US acting as like our supplier so we would order the boxes for them the boxes would go to my cousin and then he would forward it on to me and I would forward it on to the actual customer we we, we operated at like a red for <laughs> a year at least but at least yeah. like you know it was yeah that's how we started off so I think yeah, like if, if you're not confident about starting off, there's so much tools out there. You know what I mean? Like you can build like a drag and drop website on Shopify or Square. I think there's another one called Card, C-A-R-D-D. You know, you can honestly just start an Instagram or a Facebook page and sell from there. People are pretty trusting, I think, of the internet now. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Yeah, and I think like it's super interesting to hear you talk about, you know, some of the some of the like the real life experiences you had in, in getting it up and up and running and like you, you mentioned there that you initially had like three to five um users who were um who wanted these subscription boxes um and it got me thinking about you know the early work feature where you talked about you know sort of getting the excitement around getting your first customer and then getting another like two or three and then 10 and 20 30 and so on and so forth is that something that's sort of like really appealing to you uh, about the entrepreneurship space? It, is sort of like building that, yeah. that 
that that community it's so funny because i'm one of our first customers we got her she was a youtuber like one of those micro youtubers um she was I think she was on Twitter basically and she like tweeted at Boxy Sham and she was like, Oh, when are you guys um you know going to expand to Australia? And we reached out, I say we, but it was just me. Um <laughs> we were like we reached out and we were just like, Oh hey, you know, like we have this service that we're running. Are you interested in checking this out? And she like we didn't even do it for free or anything. She paid like full price for the box at the time. Um and she stayed with us for a while. And yeah, she posted a bunch of like YouTube videos about us and she broke down our whole service. So we got a lot of customers from her. But I think that's an, also an interesting point. Like when you are building a business and you want to go get customers, they're not going to come to you. Like you could literally have the most incredible product that's going to literally cure cancer, but they're not going to come to you. You have to go out and find your customers. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, that's something that you sort of, like you said, it, it's it's challenging, right? It's not easy. Um and I think it is a big part of it sort of like as weird as it sounds sort of enjoying that pro that that frustration and sort of like embracing it not enjoying it maybe embracing yeah. it. yeah I mean you really have to right if you want to grow if you don't like it then <laughs> yeah. you're really not gonna grow 100% yeah and I, I wanted to ask as well like um, you started stock shipping a couple of years ago, um, obviously as a student, um, you would have been probably in your first year of university, is that right? I think my second. Second, yeah. So, I mean, like, I bring that up to ask a question about, you know, students in particular starting their own business. Like, um, you know, after, in a few previous conversations, um, you know, people have talked about how you know, being a student is sort of the ideal time of, you know, pursuing a particular like passion project, a podcast or business or whatever it is, um, because there's sort of like low risk, right? There's, uh, there's limited downside, I guess. Um, you don't have like a $750,000 mortgage, you don't have a family and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask, like, um, do you think that, you know, the, uh, the opportunities, like, do you think being a student is sort of like the ideal prime time to get into that sort of stuff? A hundred percent. I was actually talking to one of my friends who's, you know, like I, she's graduated and she's, um, you know, she lives in at her own place and she mm -hmm. just kind of like enjoy living at home because even just, I guess, not having to work to support yourself is honestly like such a blessing, like when you're working on a startup, right? Because you really can like focus on your um, business. And I think if you're like the younger you are, the better, because that just means more time for you to learn and like actually build things. You know, like I'm graduating soon, so I'm going to have to find like a real time job. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to manage building a startup at the same time. But you know, the more startups, honestly, you really don't need that much money to build it. Honestly, like you need what, like $10 for a domain name and like time to learn how to build a startup. It's all about timing, to be honest. Like if if you can put the time into building it, you're going to go really, really far. So I would not. not like, yeah. You yeah. Know. Like I would not count like lack of experience, like lack of experience as a as a chip against me. Yeah, hundred percent. And by the sounds of it, it's more about the time than the money. Which do you think that's like a misconception that students have that you need like a couple grand to get this off and running? Yeah, exactly right. Like, I think that if you are starting a small business, then yeah, you know, you would need a couple grand, right? To I guess you know rent out a store space and to like you know mm. get all the chairs and the tables and stuff. But yeah, no, if you're actually starting a startup, if you're spending money, you're doing it wrong, basically. <laughs> you know, like, 
literally that is it if you actually like if you're really just testing it out you don't need money at all you don't even need to pay ten dollars for a domain name like if setting up an instagram account is completely free you know what i mean like we did that with absolutely zero money we didn't even have a website and like we still got customers so I yeah. think it's just just putting in that time to learn things, which is most important, I think. And it goes back to the idea of that sort of lean startup mentality that you mentioned earlier as well. And that idea of like an MVP, right? Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. And if I guess if you want to like, I mean, there's so many resource out, resources out there for it. But mm. basically, there's um, a website well, called Y Combinator. I can add the name in later yeah. but um yeah <laughs> basically they have they have some really 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 good um they have some really good tools you know even like if you're still at that idea stage and you just want to make sure that the problem is like an actual problem that you're solving it's not just you who feels that it's like a lot of people they have um they have videos on there on how to interview potential customers um how to build a prototype you know really good videos that I think that yeah. 100% and yeah on the on the point of like resources available to students um you know based on your own experiences um there were a lot of sort of like um uh how would I describe them there were a lot of opportunities available to you that you access um to sort of you know help build your skills um and to help build your your business as well um there are a few like hackathons programs and workshops so I was wondering if you could talk about you know some of those opportunities that you found really helped you and progress your your businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I remember at the early stage of my like uni life, I guess when I, I was still really like not that confident about building a business, so I would join a bunch of hackathons. And I think if you go on Eventbrite, you can find a bunch. But there's a couple. Um, there's a couple of newsletters anyway that really like collate together all the new accelerators, so accelerators that or like incubators, their programs for you. So if you have like a startup idea, some of them are paid, some of them are free. They basically help you um, take your idea to like a prototype in like 12 weeks or something like that. A couple of the newsletters to so something like Spark newsletters, I think early, no, early works is one. I'll come up with a bunch of names later, yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of like newsletters and things like that out there. And they literally take all of the programs that are happening in the startup ecosystem and they put it in one place together. So you can literally just go on that. Um, things like hackathons are like really easy to join. You know, they're only like for a weekend anyway. Sydney School of Entrepreneurship is one that I actually highly recommend if they're still running programs. It's basically in Ultimo TAFE and they would run these like, um, monthly workshops so they would have like a three-day intensive program so you would go into tape ultimo they would have like amazing food and you would just like build a business together with like a bunch of random people it was really fun and then like they had like an online component as well but i wouldn't do that but yeah <laughs> there's a lot of like there's a lot of resources out there you know even just the universities and stuff they run events and you don't even need to be a university student to attend them right it's just like signing up and showing up nobody checks your id like literally yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, and it, and it goes back to what we mentioned earlier about um, how it's quite accessible, right? And there's sort of, sort of a shift um, in, in terms of promoting these different opportunities. Um, yeah, I think the ecosystem, yeah. like, they they want, sorry, like, they just want young people in, you know, like, Generation Entrepreneurs, mm. the whole reason why it works is that, you know, there are people who are interested in, like, high school students building businesses, and there are people willing to fund it, you know what I mean? Like, all of the programs in universities incubate UTS startups, um, UNSW founders, right? Like, there's a whole network of investors who are interested in, like, just early stage startups, 
like you know all and like you know starts uni students right yeah 100% and one thing I also wanted to mention Aisha um is like there were a few opportunities like uh, specific to women that you that you engage in like the Sydney Women's Startup Weekend um I bring that up again, just to, just to talk about, you know, potentially some of the barriers um, that, you know, women specifically in my face, you know, entering the style um, space, um, or even more generally, what are some of the, the barriers that students face um, when, when trying to enter that space? I think for students in general, it might be credibility. I think that if you're yeah. trying to build a startup with like, you know, partnership with schools or like restaurants and stuff, it always helps to have like, a little bit of credibility under your belt like you know they want to see a startup founder who's maybe a bit older but that's kind of like you can always kind of like work around that right like say oh I'm partnering up with UTS or like whatever if your family yeah. has a bit say that like you know you're working with them or something I think for women specifically I'm still pretty early on in my career so I haven't really had to face that many obstacles yet I, I think startups kind of like with a lot of other industries right there's always more work to be done but kind of how you were talking about the startup um Sydney weekend hackathon thing right there are specific resources just for women so um like this I think Techstars is the one who ran that hackathon that you just mentioned um they run like programs just for women there's also the tech ready women um program and that's you know, for women founders. I know Startmate, which is like a really big player in the whole Sydney uh, startup ecosystem. They have a women's fellowship. They also have a founders fellowship. So I think anybody who's going um, into university should definitely apply to those fellowships because they're really, really good as well. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have a lot of fun going back to this interview and, and putting all the links into all, all yes. the different opportunities. <laughs> Sorry in advance. Um, that's all good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'll definitely, you mentioned like a whole bunch of different opportunities there, um, some available specifically for women and some um, that are uh, available for both men and women. So um, I'll definitely uh, make sure I leave all those in the in the description box. So um, Aisha, we're pretty much like, that's for my, we're pretty much nearing the end of our interview together. Um, I suppose like on the, the final sort of part of this interview, I just wanted to um, ask more sort of general questions about, you know, potential pieces of advice you might give to, you know, maybe your younger self when you were starting stock shipping or another young aspiring entrepreneur out there. Um, just sort of like a, like a blank canvas and an open question. Um, you know, what are some of the pieces of advice, some of which you may have already mentioned, some of which you may not have? Um, what are those pieces of advice that you, you might give to that young, aspiring entrepreneur? Um, honestly, <laughs> I know this is not the greatest advice, but like just start, to be honest. I think when I think back to silk shipping, I thought about that idea for like a whole year before I started, you know what I mean? I just spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I don't know if that's like procrastination or like lack of confidence, but mm. I really didn't like for me, I... I joined a hackathon to start and that's kind of what like got me off my butt and I was like okay I need to get customers because by the end of it we have to pitch to event, um, investors and I was like I really want to have like a, a type of a prototype at least to show them um but yeah honestly like even if it's just starting a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel just start you know it's not like you're gonna have to put work into it so you want to start as early as you can so that you yeah. can get to the, the finished um 
you know, the fish line much quicker. It's it's actually incredible. Honestly, this is the best time to be in startups. Literally, if you're on, I would say create a LinkedIn profile if you're like, as soon as you um, join university or even if you're like in your last few months of um high school and like put some time into like actually branding it, like have a nice photo, give yourself like a nice headline, put some details about you on um your LinkedIn bio. There's this awesome um website builder called page so it's like three m's dot page and you can yeah. like it's completely free and basically you can build like a little like about me page for yourself and like just use it to talk about projects that you want to work on you know what i mean like make yourself interesting so that you can basically you get a lot more linkedin connections and then you can start networking that way networking is really important i think um especially for entrepreneurs you know it's not just about like meeting co-founders and investors honestly like building a business is really lonely especially if you're doing it by yourself so it's kind of like it's awesome to just have that support network everybody's so nice in the startup ecosystem you know like I know with university it's it's so interesting because at UCID everybody was so competitive you know like I heard all these stories about like people like giving fake notes and like fake answers and, like people would fail but like <laughs> in the startup ecosystem everybody is suffering so like honestly like try and join as early as you can the early work um community is really really cool they have like a slack channel so um you find them on linkedin and join the slack channel you're going to meet a bunch of people and everybody's just so kind like they're always willing to like mentor you or have like a chat one-on-one -on -one about like anything yeah, so, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of really valuable pieces of information that you talked about there. And I think, you know, looking back on our interview, um, I mean, looking back on what you just said there, like you can fall into the trap of overthinking. And even for myself in starting this like particular project, you know, you can drive yourself crazy overthinking things, right? And it goes back again to what you, what you said about that lean sort of startup mentality, um, because you don't want to invest all this time and even money into something if it, there's no market for it, right? Um, so I think that's, that's you know, one sort of theme that I really got throughout this, this interview I showed. And I think um, it's, it, this interview will be really beneficial, you know, um, obviously for uh, students in general, but fingers crossed, um, but also <laughs> like aspiring entrepreneurs. And it's it's really cool to hear, you know, from someone, um, you know, as young as yourself, who's just at that sort of um, beginning sort of phase, um, because a lot of the times, you know, you might hear, um, you know, about a company when they're successful or uh, a founder might do an interview when, you know, they've got, they've, um, started yeah. the business and ran it for five, 10 years, right? So it's, it's really cool to hear, um, I suppose, a fresh perspective to that extent um, of someone who's in the trenches, you know, dealing with those, um, those challenges and adversity. Um, I think that's really refreshing. And that's sort of the type of things that I want to uncover, um, you know, throughout this interview as well. Um, so actually, the time's flown by. I just want to say thank you again for your time. Um, and looking forward to seeing where, where you take things. Absolutely. Hopefully on to better and greater things. But thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.